it's good uh, to see all of you. There's a lot of you here tonight, so that's uh, very encouraging. It's been really good um, to be back. I had um, quite a bit of time with my family over the past uh, few weeks, just spending some time with them, and that was great, and it's been great being back uh, here with you as well. Uh, Sunday was nice. felt good to be back home, and it did feel like home. And it's uh, been really good to be here tonight as well. Pastor asked that I would uh, give the church a little bit of an update um, tonight, so I will, and I'll keep it uh, very, very short because <laughs> there's not um, that much to say. But we've had a really good, um, we've had a really good few months uh, at the end of 2019 um, in the ministry there. Everything kind of kicked back up after it died uh, because of the bombings in April. So most people have forgotten about that. Uh, as far as our church goes, and then people that we're trying to reach out to. And um, so people are more open to um, coming to church, open to what we have to say. And um, so that's been a, a blessing. We had a revival Sunday where we saw uh, quite a few people saved, and then um, the church celebrated uh, the 25th anniversary like, like you did. And so um, that was a great service as well. There were several of you uh, here tonight that were at that service, and so that was a blessing. Um, to see how the Lord had, has used the church over the past 25 years and then um, how the Lord wants to use the church and the ministry there in the years ahead. Um, just before I came, we got a few young people together and we put together um, over 15,000 John and Romans with uh, tracks in all three languages in those and wrapped them up with ribbons as little Christmas gifts for people that we'd give them out to. And we gave a bunch out to people. Uh, before I left, and then I know the rest of that went out uh, all around the country in the month of December as Christmas gifts to people, and so praying that the Lord would use that um, in the hearts of people, that they'd read what um, the Bible has to say, the book of John and Romans and the tracts, and that um, they'd get saved. So other than the mail that comes in from that, we have no idea what the Lord does through that, and we won't until we get to heaven. But thank you for your um, investment, your support, your prayers um, to make sure that all of that uh, is a reality. Um, I appreciate all of that and um, even the texts and the emails that I get from so many of you, so encouraging. So thank you um, for all that you do for the cause of Christ in Sri Lanka. And I know I looked at that mission, uh, the list of missionaries a few minutes ago, and there's so many there that are counting on you as a church and us as a church to, to do what you're already doing. And so I just want to um, encourage you in that and um, personally and genuinely thank you for that as well. Uh, let's get into the Bible tonight. If you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Mark in chapter 5. Uh, Mark in chapter 5, we'll just have uh, a read of a few verses here and see what the Lord would have us um, to learn from it. We'll start in verse 21 and then read uh, down to verse 42. Mark chapter 5, it says this, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death, I pray thee, come and lay hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. 
For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole and straightway. The fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. While While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James, and John the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado? And weep, the damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put all of them out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him, and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Telathikumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with the great astonishment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight and ask that you would just use this passage, Lord, to speak to all of us tonight, and that your Holy Spirit would take what we read, Lord, and just apply it individually based on the needs of each of us tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you'd get me out of the way completely and that you would just work, and Lord, that we would be bettered as a result of it. In Jesus' name, amen. It's quite a few verses to explain Um, Quite an incredible story. And it's a story where someone was at the mercy of someone else. I don't know about you, but I'd assume this is true. It's true of me. But I wonder if you've ever been at the mercy of someone else. A time when you couldn't really afford to be at someone else's mercy, but nevertheless, you had no control over the situation that you were in, and someone else had that control. And whoever it was, perhaps wasn't too interested in taking control of that situation for you. Perhaps you were running really late for work, and uh, the person making your coffee that morning as you ordered it just wasn't in the hurry that you were in. Or perhaps um, you're about to miss your flight, and the security personnel just isn't too concerned about the flight that you're about to miss and doesn't let you do anything about it in the long line that you're standing in to get through security. Um, Perhaps you're really late to a very important meeting, and uh, all the traffic in front of you is not in the hurry that you're in and won't move so that you can be on time to that meeting that you promised you'd be on time to, or, or you need some help in a class that you're taking. And there's no way that you can pass this class without some help. And the one person there to help you, your teacher, 
isn't too concerned about you particularly passing that class. You're at the mercy of someone else and that someone else isn't too worried about the stressful, desperate situation that you might be in. Whatever the situation is, being at someone else's mercy, uh, wanting someone else to take control of a situation that you need desperate help with is um, not always fun. Uh, Sometimes it's stressful when it's out of your control. A few months ago, I'd invited someone uh, to church, and I knew that he was a Muslim. I met him while I was preparing for a message um, at a cafe in Colombo, and I got talking, shared the gospel with him. He was very interested, uh, but he is also a very dedicated Muslim. And so I've just been working on him a little bit. And in fact, he was supposed to be at church on Easter Sunday when uh, his dad heard about what was going on in churches around the country, and he didn't make it to church that day. But um, he didn't come for months after that either, but I finally got him to agree to come to church. And uh, it was a Sunday evening that he was planning to come to church on. And uh, I was preaching that night at church, and so I was at the, the office a little bit before church started preparing myself to preach. And then I got a text from him saying that his car is with his dad somewhere else, and so he's just going to be um, really late or he might not make it if he can't get an Uber in time. And so I thought, I said, would you like me to pick you up? And not knowing that he would accept the offer, but he accepted the offer. And so I um, put everything down and I uh, rushed out, drove. I did the math in my head. It would take me about eight minutes to get there, eight minutes to get back. And so um, I could probably get back before church started at six. And uh, so that was the plan. Uh, And so I left and I went and I got to his house and I called him. I said, I'm outside. And he said, okay, I'll be a few minutes. I'm just praying. (laughs) And I I thought, hang on, it's not something you wanted to hear from someone that you're trying to see converted at church, that they're praying to their God. But anyway, I thought, okay, two minutes, three minutes, I can handle this. And so I waited outside, uh, left the car on, and uh, two minutes turned into five minutes, and five minutes turned into 10 minutes, and 10 minutes turned into 15 minutes. And I was thinking, even I struggle with the prayer life like this guy, but um, he was praying and praying and praying, and finally I saw him put his shoes on, and he made his way out. And uh, I rushed to church, and I was preaching that service, but I was 30 minutes late to the service I was preaching. Um, showed him to a seat and walked straight to the pulpit and preached the message, but I was at his mercy, and I was stressed and desperate to get to church on time. But I couldn't because someone else was in control of that situation. I'm not sure if you've ever been there, but there's a man in the Bible that was in that situation, way more serious than just trying to be uh, late to a service or trying to be on time to a service at least, but it was Jairus in Mark chapter 6. And he was at someone else's mercy, and the only person that could help him, the only person that could do something about his, the situation that was in, had just sailed across to the west side of the lake and come to a place called Capernaum. And this only person was Jesus. And Jesus, he, in verse 21, arrives to the shore. And uh, as he arrives to the shore, the Bible tells us that much people gathered together around him. Much people came to hear him. They loved his messages. They loved his teaching. Uh, they loved being a part of the miracles that he, would, uh, that he would do. They just loved perhaps the theatrics of it all. And so they gathered together and um, Jesus didn't have to tweet that he was coming there. Jesus didn't have to announce that he was coming there. People were just spread when they saw Jesus' boat show up and a crowd gathered and word had spread to this man named Jairus as well. And he was in a serious situation. 
was about his daughter, his 12-year-old daughter that was sick. She was bedridden. Um, she, was, she was desperately ill. She was at the point of death. And so he, as her father, he was desperate. Um, he needed help, and he didn't have any control of the situation. And when he heard that Jesus was coming and that Jesus had come, he made his way, and he tried to find Jesus. And he did. He got through the crowd, and he saw Jesus standing there, and he just threw himself at Jesus and fell down at his feet. He was desperate. There's nothing else that he could do. His daughter was living her last few moments on earth, and yet he left that significant moment to try and find Jesus, to see what Jesus would do about the situation. He knew that he was conscious of the need that he had. He was desperate almost beyond words, and he knew that Jesus could be the only one that could answer all of that. And so the Bible says that he besought him greatly, and he told Jesus what the situation was, the situation that you and I just read about and that we just talked about. He says, I pray thee, come and lay hands on her. And you wonder what Jesus would do. And it doesn't tell us that Jesus said anything. It doesn't tell us what Jesus, um, a conversation that Jesus had with him. The Bible just tells us that Jesus, that, that Jesus went with him. And so without thinking twice, that was a sign of good news for Jairus. Jesus followed him. Jesus was following him to his home. And so Jesus went and things were looking a little better for him. Perhaps there was hope. No one really knew. Perhaps the daughter could be healed. But no one really knew. Maybe they were running that day to get to Jairus' house, but I don't think they were. I could just picture them walking fast. Maybe Jairus hurrying Jesus up as he walked through the crowds of people. The Bible tells us that the crowd had followed them. The crowd that met them at the lake were following them to Jairus' house, and because of that, there were a whole bunch of people thronging Jesus. And you know the story. You've read it so many times. You've heard so many messages from this story as well. But there was a big crowd thronging Jesus, and he was being touched all over the place. And it just, it was a crowd. They were walking together. You couldn't help it. And all of a sudden, unbeknownst to his disciples and anyone else there, Jesus stopped and asked who touched him. Perhaps adrenaline was running in the disciples' heart as they wanted to see this 12-year-old girl heal themselves. And they asked Jesus, they said, what are you talking about? You're, you're stopping, you're asking who touched you and all these people are touching you. And Jesus ignored them. And Jesus went and turned around and looked for someone that touched him. And leaving that story aside, you can understand how stressed Jairus would have been. He had hope. They were running to the house to get to the daughter in time before she died. And now the only hope that he had was just stopped looking for someone else that in the moment seemed insignificant. The person that Jairus was at the mercy of didn't seem to be in a hurry. He didn't seem to be too concerned about his dying daughter. He didn't seem to be too much in a hurry to get to their house. And no, this wasn't someone being late for a service 
or someone being late to work, or someone not passing a class. This was his daughter that was dying. And the only person has now stopped, distracted, looking for something else, looking for someone else. He wasn't moving. And there wasn't plenty of time. And while he was stopped, he was having a conversation with the lady that touched his clothes and he was commending her for her faith and, and just conversing with her. And while he was talking to that distraction, someone from Jairus' household comes up and tells him, it's too late. Your daughter's died. Leave Jesus alone. There's nothing that he can do now. Don't worry him too much. It's too late. The news wasn't good. And I I don't know what Jairus would have felt at that time, but perhaps all the energy he had trying to make it back to the house in time had been sucked out of him. There wasn't any use hurrying Jesus up anymore. But Jesus heard what the messenger had said to Jairus. And Jesus didn't wait for Jairus to say anything. Perhaps Jairus couldn't say anything. His face might have said it all. And so Jesus looks at Jairus and he says five words. Five words that changed him. And honestly, five words that could change you and me tonight if we just hang on to them. He says, be not afraid. Only believe. Jesus said that and then he told the crowd that was following to stop there. Not to follow them any longer. And he took Jairus and followed Jairus to his home. The only people that were following him were now Peter, James, and John. And they got to the house. And when they got to the house, it was scenes of just distress and chaos. I don't know who was there specifically, but the Bible makes it seem like there were a bunch of people there. People that were crying. People that were screaming and wailing and mourning the death of this 12-year-old girl. And Jesus went there and he saw all of that. And he said unto them, why are, you, why are you behaving like this? Why are you crying like this? Why are you making such a scene here? The girl's not dead, she's just sleeping. And all of them that were in the house clearly didn't understand who Jesus was in his fullness and they laughed at him. And they mocked him. And they disrespected him. But most of all, they didn't believe him. And so Jesus ignored their response. And he sent all of them out of the room. And he only allowed the mother, the father, and Peter, James, and John into the room. And he went there, and you know the story. He took the damsel by the hand, and he told her to arise. And she did. She rose again. And it's an incredible story, all was well. That's great news. It's a a story that only Jesus could orchestrate. It's a happy ending to a story that could have ended so miserably and, and in such a sad way. It didn't end that way. It ended in such a good way. It was a good, happy story. And it would have been incredible. And wouldn't it have been amazing for you and I to have been in that room as Jesus performed that miracle? Watched him intervene. Watched him come and turn all of those tears 
into amazement. Wouldn't it have been the experience of all experiences to just have been with that small group of people as the Lord Jesus Christ intervened? We would have loved that. Um, And we all have desires that would still need that today. To see Jesus Christ intervene. To see a miracle take place. And we would love to be in the very front row and watch Him do it uh, with someone that's close to us or with our own life personally. Um, We would all love that because we all have dreams that we want to accomplish. Uh, We all have desires that we want to see come to fruition. Um, One could be the Great Commission. (laughs) We all want to see the seven billion people that we rub shoulders with every day meet their Maker. And have a relationship with Jesus Christ and their grand goals, their distinguished dreams, their their great feats to have in life. But their feats that need the intervention of Jesus Christ. As we saw with Jairus that day. Their feats where without that, we would be desperate. With no way forward. I don't know what it is for you. Perhaps as a church, it's a new property. And I don't know about you, but that seems pretty impossible from a human perspective. There's no way. Desperate, but at the mercy of God. I don't know what it is in your individual life. Perhaps it's a job that you really need or a hole that you have in a relationship or a personal health need or the illness of a loved one or someone that you really really want to see saved soon, that you've been praying for for a long time. I don't know what it is for you, but whatever it is, you've been there, desperate, and at the mercy of someone else. Desperate for Christ to just hurry up and answer the prayer request and to do something about it. Unanswered prayer requests, abandoned dreams, No way forward. Just hurdles that it seems like God doesn't want to move for you. The interesting thing about this story that we just went through is that there were only those few people that got to witness that miracle. I mean, a whole bunch of people knew that this girl was dying. And that number of people heard that messenger come to Jairus and say the girl was dead. And in their hearts, they wanted this girl to survive. But none of them got to see what Peter, James, John, and the mother and father of that girl got to see. A whole bunch of people were in that house crying because that girl had died. Family, close friends. But none of them got to see what they were crying about. The group of people that followed them from the lake, they didn't get to. They were just spectators. They weren't necessarily followers of Jesus. They were fans of what he was doing, and they wanted to see another miracle. They wanted to be entertained again. They weren't suffering. They weren't struggling. It didn't mean as much to them as it did to Jairus and to Jairus' family. They just wanted to be there. They wanted to be able to tell others that they had been there when Jesus performed this miracle. But they weren't the ones suffering. So Jesus didn't want them there. 
he told them to wait where they were. There was a second group, and it was the group that had already gathered at the house of Jairus, the ones that mocked Jesus and laughed at him and disrespected him, and the ones that didn't believe him. And they weren't there either. In fact, Jesus sent them out before he did what he was going to do. They didn't get to be there. They didn't get to witness the miracle. There's a few things that you and I need to understand for you and I that want to be in there. Uh, For you and I that desire to be a part of the miracle. For you and I that desire to see big dreams accomplished for Christ. Uh, For you and I that want to see the impossible prayer request that you've been praying answered. For you and I that want to be close enough to Jesus to see Him answer those prayer requests. And for you and I that want to be close enough to see those miracles performed in your life and the life of others around you. Firstly, we're going to have to go through it. The struggle. You and I are going to have to go through it. There's one reason that the mother and father, if that girl were in there, it's because they were struggling. It was personal to them. They were suffering, and it was all a part of God's plan. And to you and I, it may not be a daughter, but it might be something just as close. And it might be something just as dear, and something just as important that God's going to take you through and allow you to feel the struggle and take you through it. Because the pain is necessary, the cup of suffering. That's the first thing. But the second thing comes from the second group of people. And if you want to be in there, and if you want to see those answered prayers, and if I want to see those answered prayers and be a part of that miracle, the miracle that you're praying about, you're going to have to believe. You're going to have to believe. Struggle, but believe. That no matter what, whether there's a pulse, or no pulse, whether there's money in the bank or no money in the bank, whether there's friends that are on your side or no friends that are on your side, whether there's family that understands or no family that understands, whether there's a way forward or no way forward in your mind, that no matter what, Jesus Christ will come through. And so if you are struggling, and if you are in pain, Just understand and be comforted tonight that the pain is necessary to be close enough to Jesus to see Him answer that prayer request. And then if you are, ask yourself if you believe. It takes faith. The disciples were in that boat that day and Jesus made sure they were struggling through that storm. And Jesus rebuked the fact that they had more fear in them than they had faith. Because both are necessary the struggle, and the faith. And I can't afford to be at the mercy of human, humans and certain people in the most desperate of times for me, and you can't either. But you and I can always afford to be at the mercy of Jesus. Because He will come through. And He does in time. And so just two statements to finish off tonight. When you don't believe the claims of deity, 
you'll never get to see the manifestation of that deity. When you don't believe the claims of deity, you'll never get to see the manifestation of that deity. And then secondly, when you don't believe in seeing Jesus answer the impossible, you'll never get to see it take place. And so the struggle's important. And believing through that is just as important. And so don't miss out on the manifestation of deity. And don't miss out on seeing the impossible take place in your life. Life's too short to miss out on that. The struggle and the faith, it'll be worth it. It was for Jairus, and it'll be worth it for you and I as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, Lord, and we ask that tonight as we just evaluate ourselves and we look at the life of Jairus, Lord, and what you did for him, and how they struggled, Lord, but how they had the faith to believe that you were the only one that could answer the deepest desire of their heart. I pray that you'd give us that faith, Lord. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to go through the struggles of this life, understanding, Lord, that you are the one that will bring us through it. In order, Lord, for us to be as close to you as possible, and Lord, for you to work exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And I pray, Lord, for um, Southland as a church tonight. I pray for every individual in this room tonight. That whatever it is, Lord, that they're seeking and struggling through and desiring, that you would come through, Lord, in your time. And that it would be a testimony to everyone around us. In Jesus' name.